in a series over the last several weeks, and we've been talking about the kingdom of God. Our series title is Upside Down, because the reality is that Jesus came to turn our lives upside down. He did not come to add to our old way of life. He did not come to improve our way of life. No, he came to give us an entirely new one. An entirely new one. There is an entirely new life that God has for you. It's a good life. And so today I want to start off with a uh, story to kind of prime the pump uh, that I heard. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. I heard about this plane crash that took place. I'm sorry about this plane that was about to crash, and there were four passengers, but there were only three parachutes. And so the first passenger said, hey, I'm a leading heart surgeon. My patients need me. So this guy grabbed the parachute, jumped out the plane, right? He was gone. The next one grabbed the, the, uh, the parachute, and as he's about to jump out, he says, I'm, the, I'm a rocket scientist, one of the smartest men in the world. My country needs me. This guy grabs a, a parachute, and he jumps out. And then the last guy, the, the third guy, says, hey, this entire world needs me. You got to understand, I'm the one that innovates and creates all great things that people don't know about. I'm an inventor. I am super smart. I'm smarter than the guy that just jumped out. So he grabs the third parachute and he jumps out. Well, the next uh, passenger is the Pope. And there's a little boy and the little boy says to the Pope, he says, sir, you go ahead and jump. You're a holy man. And the Pope says, no, don't worry about it. There's still one more. You see, the guy that jumped out, the world's smartest man, he grabbed my book bag. <laughs> Y'all didn't know the Pope had a book bag, did you? <laughs> Listen, there's never been a person who lived for self that ended up with good results. That's just the truth. There's never been someone who was all about me, 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 me that ever succeeded in life. It's not success. It's like jumping out of a plane into life without a parachute. It doesn't work. And the reality is that living for self is more than just about what we want or what we think we need. You know, at the core of a selfish heart, a selfish life, is this idea, this belief, this driving power at work. It's called pride. It's when we place ourselves above God and anything that is good from God. And there's a danger to that. I want to invite you today to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 5. And it starts off by saying, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds. And this is talking about more than just the thoughts. This is actually talking about the orientation of our heart. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. We're going to talk about that in a second. But those who live, let me say that again, those who live, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? Say this with me. It's what? It's death. It's death. But to set the mind on the things of the Spirit is life and what? It's peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's laws. Why? Because indeed it cannot. See, those who are in the flesh 
cannot please God. I want us to think about this. Because according to the scriptures, and if we just really take a look at our own lives, we're busy doing one of two things. We're either busy living or busy dying. We're either busy living or busy dying. We're either incorporating and allowing what produces life in our life it, it, it blesses us, it builds us, it, it increases us, it, it expands us to new things, all that is good and godly. Or we're living after self, and according to the scriptures, it leads to death. Why does it lead to death? I want you to think of it this way. I want you to envision a horse pulling that way, and another horse pulling this way. And both ends, there's a rope, and they're tied to you. Let's call one the things of God, and let's call one selfishness, flesh, right? Here's the thing. If you're trying to pursue, hold on to God while still trying to hold on to self, it'll tear you apart. Are you going to picture what I'm talking about here? There's a danger to pride. James chapter 4, starting at verse 6, puts it this way. It says, but he gives more grace. What does God give? Say it with me. More grace. Right? That's favor, that's blessing, that's, pro that's provision, that's safety, that's healing, that's goodness, that's all that comes from God. It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 is equally as important. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. In other words, because God gives grace, the result should be, hey, I'm going to submit to that goodness of God. Amen. And then it tells us to resist the devil. And watch this. He will flee from you. Amen. He will flee from you. So what we see here is that walking with God gives us favor, goodwill, peace, well-being, and blessing. And this almost sounds like God treats people who are prideful as enemies. But that's not the reality at all. What the scripture is actually telling us here is that because God is good, he's always walking in the direction of, I'm giving you more grace. I'm giving you more blessing. I'm giving you more provision. I'm giving you more opportunity. I'm leading you to better things. But when we live for self, we begin to walk opposite. Thus, God resists the proud because he's not walking in that direction, my friend. He's not. It's not that he's against you, it's just that he's heading the right way, and we're heading the wrong way. It produces death. Today, I want to talk to you directly from the heart of God. As we dig into the topic, death to selfie. Death to selfie. Come on now, how many of you are all into selfies? Come on now. If, if I just unleash the trolls in this house and we started trolling on your social media, how many pictures of you would we see? Oh, come on now. All right. We got one person ready to get free telling the truth, right? I mean, think about it. We live in a day and age where it's all about self. But I got a question for you. Does that really work? Let's look at the scriptures for a moment. Before we turn there, I just want to kind of give you some context here. 
the scripture says that there came a day where a young man came to Jesus. And he was seeking the answer to life. The Bible tells us that he fell on his knees. And he cried out to Jesus. He didn't care who was around him. And this guy was a guy of great means, great possession. And the scripture says that he asked Jesus a life-changing question. One that could have changed his entire life. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded to him according to what he knew. He says, do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, don't lie, honor your mother and your father, right? And this young man says to Jesus, all these things I've done since I was a youth. In other words, I've done this all my life. And then he says this, so what do I still lack? Get the picture here. I'm a good person. I live right. I try to do no harm to anyone. I try to hurt no one. So, obviously I'm lacking something. And the Lord Jesus says to him, the, the scripture says that the Lord Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and loved him. Looked at him and loved him. There was a connection there. He saw him in his state of life, and he loved him. He didn't condemn him. He loved him. And the Lord Jesus said to him, one thing you lack, just one thing. He says, sell all you possess, and then give some of that to the poor. Some people interpret that to say that Jesus told them, sell everything, and then give everything to the poor. That's not what the scripture says. Scripture says that Jesus told them, sell what you have, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then he says this, and then come follow me. Unfortunately, Mark chapter 10, verse 22 says, but he was deeply dismayed by these words. Deeply dismayed. The word dismayed there was metaphorically used these days to, to, to depict sorrow like clouds blocking out the sun in the sky. In other words, all the light went out of his life in that moment. It became a dark day for him. Something was going on. And so it goes on to say that he said to him, but he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away, the scripture says, grieving. Grieving. He went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Much property. So I want you to consider what's happening here. He has an encounter with God in the form of the flesh. You know, God shows up in ways that we never think about. I submit to you, my friend, God has shown up in your life multiple times. And I would submit to you this. Today's one of them. Because I'm no one. Don't go by my words. Consider the scriptures and consider the truth revealed through God's word. And so the scripture says that he went away grieved. That tells us something. Something died. Something died that day. Something died. What died? See, he came to Jesus with hope for new life. He came to Jesus open 
to discovering a new way of life. And at that very moment, Jesus loved him and said, man, this guy is ready to really discover what life is. And then he says to him, let go of that which possesses you. It wasn't what he was holding on to. It was the hold it had on him. Let go of what's possessing you. And then give. Give. Give some of that. The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. See, it was an invitation to a new way of life, a love journey. And so that day, hope died, hope died in this young man because for him, he was unwilling to bury and leave what was most important to him, what he valued most. I would encourage you, my friend, don't bury the hope that Christ gives you. Don't bury the hope of a new life. Don't bury the opportunity that you have right here in this divine moment with God. Friend online, you may feel distant. You may feel like you are far. But I am telling you, God is near. He's closer to you than a brother, the scripture says. He loves you with an everlasting love. Would you take a hold? Would you get past what possesses you today and allow God to work in your life? This teaches us something if we really dig in. It tells us that if we're not living in search of God, we're dying. If we're not living in search of God, we're dying. Think about this. This guy had it all. He had money. He had possessions. He had status, right? He was the prime example of what we look for online. Man, look at that car. Look how happy he is. Everybody's smiling. They're having such a great time. Meanwhile, this young man came to a point of decision and revelation. What am I still lacking? Friend, you're lacking God. And you know, it's even possible to be walking with God and miss him. We get distracted. And so, in John 15, chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it begins to unveil for us how we begin to die to self. How this all works. And I want to introduce this, and then we're going to dig into some points. Starting at verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Get this. God wants you to be fruitful. You are built for fruit. You are made to advance, to prosper, to overflow. That's the goodness of God. Verse 3 goes on to tell us, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In other words, because you've believed this, because you've opened your heart to this, there is a cleansing that has already taken place. You are primed to produce great fruit. And verse 4 goes on to say, remain in me. 
as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. I want you to think about that. You can't produce what life is really about when it's all about self. It goes on to say, it must remain in the vine. It must remain connected. Neither can you bear fruit unless, watch this, you remain in me. Verse 5. says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Lest there be any room for confusion, he clarifies this. I'm the vine, and I've created you to be a branch that draws from me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. You know what we begin to see here? That death to self leads to life with Christ. Death to self leads to life with Christ. I want you to notice what the scripture tells us. It tells us the reason why the gardener removes the branches. The branches that suck life out of us. The branches that are dying. You know why he removes, why he prunes those branches? Maybe you might feel challenged according to the word of God. Maybe you feel like, wow, this is hard. Maybe you feel like, wow, this, this is, I, I sense God pulling on me here, leading me here. Maybe you're ex experiencing that right now as you're examining what possesses you. The reason why the gardener cuts away the branches that are dying is because branches, these vines that it's referring to, here's what they're built to do. These vines will continue to pump life to every branch that is connected, even the branch that's already dead. And here's the problem with that. When we keep dead things in our life, we're taking the life of Christ and we're trying to resurrect something that was never meant to live. And here's what happens by default. It takes life from those areas in our life that are meant to produce fruit. Does that make sense? Come on now, I know somebody's having a personal encounter with God right now. I know God is speaking to you right now. I know you're challenged. Hey, I'm challenged. But what we have to consider here is that we are not built for dead things. We're not built to maintain dead things in our life. If you're not busy living, I'll say it again, you're dying. You're wrapped up in self. You're living out of the wrong life. May, may I introduce to you that dead thing in your life that needs to go? Would you allow me to do that today? I want to introduce you to this person. I actually brought this person. This person has to die in order for Christ to live in us. This person right here has to die. This person has to cease being, we have to cease allowing this person 
to control our desires, to control our plans, to control our destiny. And Jesus is saying, as long as you're living out of this life, you can't have new life. Are you hearing me today? The best thing we could do with this person is bury him. That person has to go. The Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, puts it this way. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. That is, in him, I have shared in his crucifixion. It is no longer I that live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live, listen to this, the, now, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now here's something that I believe can set us free. You know, let's leave that scripture up. You know what the key is to dying to self? The key to dying to self is trust. The Apostle Paul says, listen, I've put my complete trust in Christ. Therefore, it's no longer I that live. You know what living for self is? It's trust backwards. It doesn't work. It produces death. So think of it this way. When selfishness dies, Christ lives. But when selfishness is allowed to live, Christ dies. We cease to allow life to produce in our lives. You know, I have a friend, a very good friend, who was very instrumental in my life many years ago. And... Uh, he struggled in his earlier years. This, I learned a lot on how to be a man, a husband, a follower of Christ from him. And he, to this day, he's a very good friend of mine. But his story is a radical one. Talk about going from death to life. This friend of mine, many years ago, Grew up in the scene in the 70s and 80s where it was all about drugs, all about parties, all about these crazy, this crazy lifestyle. And it led him to a path that was producing destruction in his life. This guy began to engage in relationships with the same sex. And he was confused. He loved Jesus, but he hated himself. He struggled with life. He struggled with faith. And then all of a sudden, listen, many, many years later, this guy is now an executive with a large retail chain. I mean, at the very top level of organizations like Polo and Saks, uh, traveled the country. This guy was driving Lexuses when people would kind of ooing and eyeing over them. He, you know, he, he was traveling all over the world, had homes, all kinds of stuff. But there was an internal struggle in him. And then one day he found himself walking into a place like this one. And he began to hear a message that he had never really thought about. 
that God loved him to such an extent that he wanted to give him a new life. The way my friend puts it is, he says that day he was in tears and he heard what sounded like chains snap. Now, get this, he still struggled with the lore and the desires that he had. But he became convinced, God, I love you. And there is a new life that you have for me. Can I tell you what that decision led him to? He's been married for over 25 years. He's the father of four thriving, beautiful children. He is at the top of his game financially, in, in, the, in the business world, and he is free in Christ. Can I tell you that there is no past, there is no problem, there is no hang-up, there is no shame, there is no guilt, there is no challenge in life that God can't reach his hand into and show you a new life. But listen, that life, life comes at the expense of a decision to allow things to die. To die. I would pose this question to you. What is God asking you to put on the altar? What is God asking you to lay down? What has to die? What robs you of your attention, your devotion, your pursuit of Christ? What robs you of that which is good, that which is godly, that which is true, that which brings you closer to knowing God and having a personal relationship with God? Whatever that it is, there's your answer. Today's the day that it dies. You know, we hold on to things like this young man. He was holding on to possessions. He was holding on to material things. He was holding on to a status. He was holding on to a, a perception of himself. But here's the thing. Here's what he was really holding on to. It's me. He was possessed by this idea that I have to live in place of what God wants to live in me. Again, this person has to die. Come on and give God some praise. New life comes when we allow God to remove dead branches. What is God asking you to allow him to prune in your life? The second point I want to leave you with here for reflection and application is that pruning is indicative of nearness to God. Pruning is indicative of nearness to God. What are you saying here, Pastor Jose? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to this place where you have a genuine desire to know God, it doesn't mean that you've arrived. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you got it all together. No, the moment you get to this place of decision where you say, I want to know God personally. I don't want to just go by what a preacher tells me. I don't want to just go by what I was brought up with. I want to know God personally. The moment you begin to do that and you begin to draw near to God, you begin to hear, snip. 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 Why? 
Because God has what's best for you. Has what's best for you. Why don't I share that with you? Because dying to self is not a one-time affair, my friend. I want you to notice what the scripture says. It says that the gardener prunes every fruit-bearing branch in the vine. He doesn't just cut away the dead things. As we continue to grow in our personal relationship with God, here's what happens. Other things come up. And God cuts, he snips, he prunes. Not to hurt you, not to harm you. No, to help you. Why? Because you and I, my friend, were created for much fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. See, the benefit outweighs where we feel challenged. But we have to be willing to accept that challenge and step forward with God. As we mature in Christ and we begin to produce fruit, we will always, there will always be something that grows that has to go. Listen, these vines that the Lord Jesus is referring to were vines that they grow full. But if they're not pruned and they're not tempered and they're not snipped, here's what happens. They'll grow and they'll look real full. And there will be some branches with fruit. And these branches will produce fruit. But because there's so much of the vine, the life begins to be dispersed to such an extent that it can't give enough life to every single branch. And thus, what looks full is actually dying. Thus, the Lord says, I know your life feels full. I know you feel like, man, everything is just so great. Everything is wonderful. I'm happy. And God says, let me snip here. Why? Because if we grow too content with where we are, you know what happens? Pride. 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 Romans 12.1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. Let's leave that scripture up for a moment. I want you to consider that we are invited to lay it down. We are invited to offer sacrifice. We are invited daily to allow something to die. The question is, are we stepping up to the plate? Can I give you a, a solid piece of advice, my friend? God would never lead you to a place that isn't for your benefit. We're talking about God Almighty, the creator of all creation. The God who saw you while you were still in the womb. The God who brought you through even when you didn't know he was there. Friend, the reason why you're still standing is because he's been your foundation. The reason why you're still breathing is because he's the one that gives you the breath of life. The reason why you're here is not because you chose to. It's because he brought you. 
It's because He loves you. It's because He has a new life for you. Luke 9, 24 and 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life, watch this, will lose it. Will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the what? The whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Hmm. You know what we see here? That if we're going to pursue life and relationship with God, if we're going to truly have life, we have to die in many ways. We have to die to possessions. It doesn't mean that you can't have nice things. It just means nice things can't have you. Listen, we have to die to possessions. We have to die to privileges. We have to die to property. We have to die to pride. We have to die to this idea that it's my life. Because as long as it's your life, God can't work with you. Hmm. The last point I want to leave you with here today is that you are free to choose how you live your life. Hmm. But you are not free from what it will produce. I'm going to say that again. You are free to choose how you live your life. Friend, that is your God-given right to choose. But here's what we have to realize, that while we have the freedom to choose, we're not free from the results of our choices. We're not free from those. We own those. This is a life principle. It is a spiritual principle. It's rooted in how God set all things in motion in all creation. And whether you believe in Christ or not, here's the truth, that you will produce that which you choose to follow after. So here's a good opportunity right now, a holy moment. Because I know that in the hearing of God's word, we can actually begin to hear God. Which therefore means God is speaking to you and I right now. And as we're considering the truth in the scriptures, I want to ask you to do something with me. To consider what is my life producing? What does your fruit look like right now? What is it? Is it good fruit? Oh, it's good. My bank account is fat, brother. You don't know. I have so many friends. I have a thriving career. I'm strong and healthy. That's all good. That's God's will. But friend, you can have that and still not have God. See, you can, you can be reaping all those results, but that's out of a choice to really grind it out to bless yourself. And my friend, if that's what you call blessing, it's not blessing at all because it excludes the hand of God.
It excludes the hand of God. Galatians 5, 16 through 22 says, And so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. It desires what's contrary to the Spirit of God. It desires what's contrary to what God is saying to you and I right now. Mm, it resists it. And the Spirit, the Spirit of God that's speaking to you right now, the Spirit of God that lives in you at this very moment, that walks with you daily, that talks to you, that helps you and teaches you and comforts you, that Spirit, the Spirit of God, it desires what is contrary to the flesh, to selfishness. The Scripture tells us that they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I want you to consider something here. We can leave that next scripture up, that's fine. I want you to consider something here. That what we think is freedom is not freedom at all. We're either living after life or we're living in pursuit of death. Those are the only two options in life. Are you truly free? It's a good question to consider. Verse 18 goes on to say, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What law? The law of the flesh, the law of selfishness, the law of what's natural to all men. You are no longer bound to that. You are no longer subject to it. You are no longer obligated to choose what is wrong. You now have a new opportunity. Verse 19 says this, the acts of the flesh, they are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, uh, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And then God speaks through this Apostle Paul and says, and I warn you, as I did before, as I spoke to you previously, as you know to be true, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's what the scripture is saying. It's not saying you're on your way to hell if this is the way you choose to live. Here's what it's saying. You can't begin to enjoy what I have made possible for you. It's yours. I'm present. I'm here for you. I'm working on your behalf. I love you. But because we live with pride, we live for self, we're clinging to that which possesses us. And by default, we're disinheriting life. We're dying. Verse 22 goes on to say, but the fruit, the fruit, the fruit, this fruit that you were created for, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, this, these selfish desires can no longer prevail. Why? Because you are popping with fruit. Friend, God created you to walk in the fullness of his love, to walk with peace, to live a life where you can control self 
and truly discover new life. Verse 24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Who are you walking in step with today? Are you busy chasing self? Or are you busy living? Friend, this is not your life. This is not your dwelling place. God says, I didn't create you for this. I created you to remain in me as a vine and you as the branch and that you would produce much fruit. So here's a question, because I know you're thinking it. Man, all I know is my desires. All I know is what I want and what I see. How do I break free? How do I cross that great divide? How do I begin to live with new life? I'm so glad you asked that today. Matthew chapter 3 verse 8 gives us the key. It says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Let's leave that portion of scripture up. Here's what Jesus is actually saying in this scripture. Here's what he says. He says, if you want fruit, you have to repent. You know what repent means? Repent does not mean feel bad and get all emotional and condemn yourself and beat yourself up. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is simply an act of turning around. Hey, why don't you do this? Instead of continuing to look to dead things, why not turn around and begin to live life with much fruit? Amen. Let's stand here today. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. I know this, my friend. I know this, that today you and I did not just attend a church service. Today we had a personal encounter with God. And that encounter calls for a decision. A decision to turn away from that which produces death. Hey, Christians, child of God, that's us too. Remember, he prunes even the branch that's producing fruit. Why? Because there's always the potential for something that's going to sap death. It's going to create death in your life. It's going to sap life out of you. Today, would you make that decision to say, I choose to remain in you, Lord Jesus. I choose to follow after you, to seek after the Spirit, that which is true and good and godly. If, if that's your heart today, then I'm telling you right now, the harvest is coming. Amen. You're about to start bearing new fruit. Amen. You're stepping into a new season of great things. God is working in your life. Maybe, just maybe there's someone here today, maybe you're online. And today you find yourself 
on that side where life looks full. But it's all sucking the life out of you. Friend, if that's you, here's what I want you to know. God loves you. He loves you so much that he's speaking to you. He's reaching out to you and he's saying, you're still my branch and you still belong with me and my vine. Let me prune you today. Let me help you. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave him to die, to pay a price for sin. But out of that death came a new life. Scripture says that he rose again. And he didn't just rise again to prove he's God. He rose again to prove to you, you can rise again. Again. If you believe that today, if you're in the house, you're online, I want you to be bold with us and reach out to heaven. Come on, reach out to the vine. Grab a hold of the vine and begin to draw new life. If you've never accepted Christ, if you walked away and today you find yourself having an encounter with God, would you pray this with us? Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. You are the vine. I am the branch, I am and, I belong with you. and I belong with you. Today I declare, Today I declare you, are you are my Lord, you are my Savior, you are my God, and from this day forward, I thank you for more fruit, for much fruit, for greater fruit, a new life with you. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.